up here. My phone's not cooperating. Uh, if you would open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. There it is. I didn't bring my phone up here for texting or anything like that. I'm going to try to control things like I do on Wednesday. I normally on Wednesday use my phone to kind of control the slides. So if need be, Dave will take over. But uh, would you please pray with me? Lord God, I just ask that as we open your word, you would open our eyes. As we dig into the Bible here, Lord, I pray that truth would pour out on us. I pray, Lord, that we would know what you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would enable us to do what you have for us. Lord God, may you increase, may I decrease. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I'm going to leave this up here and share a little story with you. So, some of you guys have known me for a long time. Some of you guys have known me since I was born. I got some family over in this section. You guys have known me since I was tiny. <clears throat> some of you guys have known me for not quite that long, but for a long time. And some of you know that I was an imposter for quite a while. I was a fake. I showed up for a while. I was a Christian at one point in my life, and at some point in there, I kind of went off the rails. And I kind of faked my way through high school. I was a fake. I was an imposter. Uh, I had a really bad temper, and nobody in the church really ever got to see that, but my poor mother got to see it all the time. Poor mom. Just think a little Char. Poor Char. Poor lady. <laughs> so I have not grown an inch since I was like 13 years old, right? I was a pretty big kid. Well, you guys over here probably don't remember that because I'm older than you guys, but so <laughs> I, was a, I was a large child. So like my poor mother was terrified of me. So there may have been a reason at one point in my life for, for uh, reasons to be angry. There may have been a legitimate reason to be angry at one point. But I decided at, at a young age that, you know what, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm just going to stuff it down deep where I don't have to think about it, don't have to deal with it. Oddly enough, I ended up being drawn to really angry music. I'm not talking just the style. I'm talking like the lyrics were angry, where the writers would actually put into these lyrics, they would say, basically, the, they would scream their pain that they've lived through, this terrible experience that they lived through. They, they write it into the music. And so you're, as you're listening to it, it's not just the, the style, but it was the, it was the actual, their painful story that I was listening to. That, that sort of thing is the, the thing I identified with. Uh, and so I, I, I ended up feeding that anger through that. And it's funny, I used the excuse of, of, I'm getting pumped up for football games, right? That's what you do before football games. You listen to rock music and get all fired up, get ready to go for these football games. But something else was happening during that moment. I was, I was feeding that anger that was hiding underneath the surface. That was, I had been trying to just shove down and ignore. And <laughs> I was growing angrier and angrier. I actually shared a story at youth group here a while back about chasing a kid with my football helmet after I got stamped with a towel. Thank God I never caught him. That would have been bad. I would have gotten in all kinds of trouble. You all would have heard about that. I probably wouldn't be standing up here today. <laughs> Whew. It was a good thing I didn't kiss the guy. So yeah, my poor, terrified mother, she's like, this kid of mine is getting angrier and angrier all the time. I got to do something. So she got me a punching bag. We got a punching bag for me. 
And a uh, good, good way to work out the aggression, right? Well, one problem, I would go out there when I got angry, and then I would give it the old Captain America treatment. He destroyed that thing. Yeah, no, I went out there mad, and I destroyed it. We thought, it's got to be a faulty bag. You know, maybe it was a manufacturer flaw of some sort. So we replaced it. We went and swapped it out for another one. Next time I got mad, guess what happened? There we had the audio. <laughs> I kid you not, I broke two, two punching bags because I was such an angry young man. I went to counseling after that. We, you know, we figured out, you know, we probably need more than a punching bag to work through some of this. So I went to counseling, and guess what I found out there? Yes, I'm angry. <laughs> Why was I angry, though? Because I wasn't dealing with the thing that made me angry. I was just hanging on to that. I grabbed onto that anger and just stuffed it down and pretended like it didn't exist. Well, it didn't go away. I was only fooling myself. And then a contributing factor was, of course, the fact that I wasn't guarding my heart. Hmm. Who would have thought? Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I grew up in church. Hmm. Who knew? Who would have thought? <sighs> Maybe I could have saved myself a lot of trouble if I would have been, you know, applying what I learned in church at a younger age and, and not just trying to do things my way, I guess. I even have in my Bible, I have it marked as, that's my grandpa lay, one of my grandpa lay's favorite verse. Grandpa, your name is right in my Bible here. It says, this is a grandpa's favorite. I had somebody in my life that was that type of role model, that type of influence, and I just kind of ignored it and did things my way because, you know, I know better, right? Does any, anybody ever else in here feel like they should have gotten to a certain point in their life earlier than they have? A certain level of maturity earlier? <laughs> I'm, I'm still like, man, how come I'm not more mature now today? This is ridiculous. <laughs> amen. I got an amen out of here. That was my wife. Oh, I thought that was my Auntie Carolyn over here. Oh, man. Oh, Carolyn, how dare you? I'm just kidding. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that we have been saved. Amen. That's some good news right there. That is some good news. You guys, before hearing about Jesus, we are physically alive, but we are spiritually dead. We are trapped in a purposeless life full of sin and selfishness. However, we are offered new life in Jesus. Thank God that we have new life in Jesus. Thank God that we can be made alive by the grace and power of his spirit. Thank God that we are a new creation. And you know what comes with being a new creation? New purpose. New tasks. That's why we're currently doing the prayer journal thing, because we have purpose and tasks here to accomplish as one body. So as a new creation, we have access to a family, this one family. I keep mentioning this morning. Originally, the family of God was an exclusive club. You had to be Jewish to be in it, right? Well, after the cross, oh, it's been opened up to us all. Here we are, one family, both Jew and Gentile, or the non-Jewish people, right? We come together and form this unified humanity that is supposed to be living in peace. We are one body, and those within that body, you guys, we are supposed to be energized as we walk through life by experiencing that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. 
Think about that for a minute. We just celebrated Easter. We just celebrated Jesus being raised from the dead. We're in that period of time right now where Jesus would have been walking around with his disciples, preparing them for what comes next. He was fresh out of the grave. And thanks to what he has done, he offers us the same chance to come running out of the grave. And I'm not talking about just down the road someday. I'm talking spiritually raised from the dead right now, here today. I want you to turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. And you might as well leave your Bibles open in Ephesians because we're going to be hanging out here all day. We're going to be here for the rest of our time together today. So what do you suppose Paul has to say next? Let's find out, shall we? Chapter 4, verse 17 says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So old passive Paul has given out recommendations here again. You can take them or leave them. I'm kidding, that's a joke. Paul's not very passive here. Let's look at verse 17 again. He says, so I tell you this, and insist. He says, I insist. I insist on this in the Lord. This isn't optional. I insist that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. We are no longer to look and live like the rest of the world. We are not to live separated from God as ignorant people taking part in any sort of greed or impurity. No, that's not us. We need to take off that old way of life. That's who we used to be, but that's not who we are anymore. Try to picture this. You just come running out of the grave. You just came crawling out of the grave. You're wearing something like this. This is a pretty little number here. So, <clears throat> these clothes are kind of rotting off of you because you've been dead. Your clothes have... They're rotting off of you because you've been dead, but now you're alive again. You're, you've been made new, <clears throat> and your, your clothes are still, dude, they, whew, they stink. They're full of maggots, and they smell like death, right? So if you've been made alive in Christ, you better change your outfit, amigo. Sometimes we're like, yeah, but they're all worn in. They're nice and soft at this point. It's all, anybody got a favorite, like, shirt at home or something where it's, I mean, it's, it's got holes in it at this point. It's been worn so thin. But you're like, I don't want to get rid of it because it's just so comfortable. It knows me so well. <laughs> Paul's like, no, really, dude. I insist. You got to take that off. <laughs> it's got to come off. Time to put on a new outfit. So let's look at verse 22 again here. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, <clears throat> which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Oops, stay on 22 for a sec. <clears throat> Look, if you keep those grave clothes on as a new creation in Christ, how long do you think you're going to last before those maggots start gnawing on you again? Ick. 
I mean, we've been made new. We don't want, <laughs> we're going to be corrupted by that, that old outfit if we stick around with that. We've been made new. We need to be in new threads here, you guys. So put off your old self. And then you keep those grave clothes on, you're going to get sick and die again. Paul was reminding that with regard to their former way of life, these guys needed to, to be made new in the attitude of their minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. As members of God's family, surprise, surprise, we're supposed to look like God. We're supposed to look like God. As a new creation, we need to put on a new outfit. Let's keep going. What should our new outfit look like? In verse 25 here, it says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. But must, do, but, uh, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful in building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That was a lot. Let's break this down here. <laughs> Back at the beginning of what I just read. Therefore, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. What does that mean, speak truthfully to your neighbor? Who's your neighbor here? Well, if we're looking at the context of this verse, I mean, he says right after it, for we are all members of one body. Paul's referring to the church here. He's talking about us. He's talking about what we're needing to be doing um, together. So, speak the truth to those who are united in Christ, right? That seems pretty simple and straightforward. Let me ask you this, though. How often do you come through the doors and you come and play church? How often do you, do you come in and act a certain way while you're here? And then when you go and get together with friends that are not from church, you act another way. Or you, you look differently when you're out in public or when you're in traffic. <laughs> Anybody ever act differently in traffic than they do when you're in here? Probably a lot of us, actually. <clears throat> No, we, a lot of times when we come to church, we walk through the doors and we hide elements of our life that we are ashamed of. It's incredibly easy to give our fellow believers the social media view of our lives, where, where everything that you see is through a filter. I only let you see what's through a filter. Uh, everything that you see has been carefully curated to just emit a certain image. You guys, I, I was an expert at this. Or at least I thought I was. Maybe I wasn't as good as I thought I was at this. Um, some people probably saw through my facade. But um, a lot of times when I read through the, the letters that Paul wrote, I feel like he was reading my mail. You guys ever do that when you open up his book uh, or open up the Bible and go into the letters that Paul wrote? And it's like, ooh, I don't want to read this right now. I'll, I'll look at that later. That's how I feel a lot of times, especially as I go on to the next part here. In your anger, do not sin. Ooh. Yep. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. This one's like a gut punch for me. I just shared with you a little bit, just a little tiny bit of my, my anger story. Sin in my anger. Check. Got that one. Uh, let's see. Dwell on it for indefinite periods of time. Get bitter, etc. Check. Give the devil a foothold. Check. I did all that. 
<laughs> this is one of those times when, as I was preparing this message, I felt convicted by both the lifestyle I used to live and the one I'm currently in as I'm trying to be more like Christ. You guys, there have been times where I have not guarded my heart just in the last year, where it's like, all right, three hours of political podcasts in one day is going to be good for me, right? <laughs> no, I got angry. I had, to, I had to stop and step away from that because I was getting too angry. It's ridiculous. And it wasn't just angry at the world. I mean, we're talking like angry within, within here. We don't agree with people and we suddenly... <laughs> We're offended by their viewpoint. These, there are situations in life where anger is an appropriate response, right? There are times where anger is appropriate. I mean, anger itself is not a sin. Jesus himself was angry at times, right? There, it, the problem is we need to have a valid reason for it. And we also need to be careful that it's not our definition of what's valid. I mean, a valid reason for anger is defined by God. <laughs> so whether or not anger is justified... You guys, it needs to be controlled, and it needs to be temporary. We have to gain control of anger and use it in a redemptive way, in a way that us, the situation may call for it. Christians are not supposed to lose their temper. We're not supposed to lose our temper. Our emotions are to be controlled by living a life in step with our Creator. We must not let anger gain control of us. we got to control it. Our anger has to be controlled, and it has to be temporary, period. Even in our anger, we have to work towards peace and harmony of this one body. We need to work towards building up this one body. If we don't, we give the devil room to work. We give him that room for a foothold. We give him room to operate. And we know that that guy is only really interested in destroying and killing, etc., right? So, he'll try to use anger within the community of believers to drive a wedge and destroy that, that, that community's unity, Anger, whether or not it's justified, it has to be controlled and it has to be temporary. I'm going to move on to Ephesians 4.28 here. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those who are in need. I'm not going to spend very much time on this. Um, as, as followers of Christ, we had to do all we can to provide for ourselves, of course. But you guys, as a, as, a, as a people of community, our motivation needs to be community. Our motivations should be community. So we, we are motivated to provide, yes, for ourselves and our families, but also for those who are in need. We just did the cereal race. That was awesome. Think about all the needs, all the needs that have been met through that. That was great. And this can be looked at. I mean, there are times where, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I believe that the cereal race was one of those good works. What comes next? Let's pray together about that over the next 40 days. All right, I'm going to keep moving on here. Uh, Ephesians 4.29. Unwholesome talk. What does that mean? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful in building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's more than just dirty jokes. That's teardown language. That's gossip. I mean, Paul is referencing slanderous language, verbally abusive type language, right? That's pretty obvious. Let's not do that. <laughs> I, we probably don't need to spend much time on that. Uh, obviously, we shouldn't be doing that, right? Um, obviously, we should be using our words to build others up. But I have a funny story for you guys. Um, 
I don't know if it's a funny story, but it's a, it's a story anyway about how God's working. Uh, I've had students this year come up to me at youth and say, I feel love here. There's love here. There have been students that because had, they had an interaction at some point with either adult leaders and students or students and students or whatever, um, there have been situations where students built other students up and there were people on the outside that saw it. You guys, the gospel is being advanced by people just building other people up. Did you realize that? You can, just by building other people up, you can share the gospel without ever even saying anything about what Jesus has done just by how you're treating the people around you. We've literally had students say this year that they're here because of that. And that's, that's good news to me. I'm like, well, good. At least they're not using the normal, uh, you know, whatever kind of teenagery type lingo. You guys like to make fun of each other sometimes, you know. Where's the rest of the teenagers? They're over there. You guys are doing good. Love you guys. All right. We're going to go to verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit which, uh, of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Yeah, as somebody that's been involved in youth ministry for a long time, I, uh, I a lot of times look at Ephesians 4.29 and then pay no attention to 4.30. This right here is the reason why I'm here today, why, why I'm on Ephesians 4, thir- or the chapter 4. God gave me an aha moment this week. He slapped me in the back of the head or whatever you want to call it, flicked my ear. Um, This has been one of those where I've always breezed by it, but I've never really thought, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Well, the answer, I think, is why we are here today. If we stop and think about this, I mean, it appears that grieving the Holy Spirit of God uh, is hurting him, right? Holy Spirit gets sad because of what we do. That's, I mean, that's, although that's true, Paul's, Paul's going deeper here, and it's, it's hard to catch with just a surface reading. Uh, the justice and wrath of God are indicated. You see, Paul's actually alluding to Isaiah. In Isaiah 63, verses 9 and 10, it says, In all their distress, he was, yeah, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. God had saved Israel and brought them out of Egypt. His answer to their cries for help and his kindness and his provision was met with complaints. And rebellion. So much so that he ended up turning against them. Now, throughout the whole Old Testament, I don't know, I just, I recently read Exodus and I was blown away. I'm like, man, these guys complained a lot. Anybody read Exodus lately? They, those guys complained a lot. It was like, I've been subject to hard labor for all these years and all of a sudden we're getting led out of Egypt and, well, all you got is bread? What? <laughs> it's ridiculous. But that's, I mean, there's this ongoing theme throughout this, throughout the Old Testament. God saves and his people rebel and complain. He saves and his people rebel and complain. The Exodus, you guys, was reenacted and its meaning was deepened by the redemptive work of Christ at the cross. Paul has just outlined what our new outfit, what our new life ought to look like. He's suggesting that one day we're going to be accountable um, to, 
how well we've worn these new outfits. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we complain about God's provision. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we grumble and when we argue. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we are inauthentic with one another, or when we lie to one another, put on a facade, and don't live in a community, a real community together. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we dwell in our anger and it turns to bitterness. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we tear others down, or when our attitude is that our little flaws or our little sins, they're no big deal. It grieves the Holy Spirit when our expected response to the cross is viewed like it's just a mere suggestion. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we act in a rebellious manner towards God. You guys, our attitude matters. How we treat each other, it really matters. How we think about each other, it matters. God's response to the rebellion of Israel should serve as a lesson for those of us here today. Israel grieved the Holy Spirit of God. And God's divine sorrow was the starting point for his divine wrath. How's it not going to be even more the case now because of what? <laughs> his work has been intensified by the cross at this point. And we've been, we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's been poor, Holy Spirit's been poured out on us. How are we not going to be held more accountable than those of the Old Testament? We've been given so much more <laughs> at this point. And yet sometimes we have this tendency to be like, oh, these grave clothes, though, they're so comfy. <laughs> they try to put them back on. The stinking, rotting clothes that we were wearing when we were dead in our sins. Paul gives us something to shoot for in Ephesians 4, but he also gives us a little bit of a warning here, not to shimmy back into those nasty old grave clothes. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He ends chapter 4 with this. He touches on anger again, by the way. This is the second time he's talked about anger in chapter 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as in Christ God forgave you. It seems pretty clear we ought to get along. I mean, there are so many similar imperatives found throughout the New Testament. Just earlier in chapter 4, we didn't touch on this today, but Ephesians 4, uh, verses 3 through 6, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Romans 15, may the God who gives us, uh, who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How about Colossians? Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Oh, and be thankful. <laughs> the new clothes that Paul insists that we put on as one body of believers promote peace and unity within that body. Right now, we are engaged together in seeking the very thoughts of God regarding on what we need to do right here, right now in this place. Our channel to access those thoughts is the Holy Spirit. Let's not try to shimmy back into our old nasty grave clothes. Let's not give the Holy Spirit any reason to be grieved by what's happening here in this time as we are seeking the mind of God, the thoughts of God. No more grieving the Holy Spirit. We are one body in Christ. Let's, let's speak the truth in love to one another. Let's, let's be real with each other. Let's bring our best without putting on any sort of fake face. Let's live authentically together. Let's 
guard our hearts. Let's refuse to let anger gain control. Let's uh, resolve disputes as quickly as possible. If you have beef with someone right now, if you've got a dispute ongoing, go take care of it today, if possible. Let's, let's, Let's resolve these things as quickly as possible. Let's be reconciled to our brothers and sisters. Let's not let Satan weasel his way into our family here. There's no room for him to work here. Let's do what we can to build others up in their need, whether it's an emotional need or a spiritual need or a physical need. Let's do what we have. Let's use what we have to build the body of Christ here and now. I'm going to leave you with this. Let's be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. Lord God, I thank you that we have the opportunity for new life. And with that new life comes a new look. And Lord, I pray that as we together as a group seek you and seek your thoughts and your direction for this place, Lord, it is my prayer that we would do nothing to grieve your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we do not wish to grieve you. We pray that you would work in our lives so that we would look like Jesus. At the end of the day, it is my prayer that we as a people would look like Jesus and that others would be drawn to the good news found only in him. Lord, I thank you so much for all you've done, and I just pray that you continue to work in this place. As we go from here, Lord, I just pray that we would draw closer and closer to you every step we take every day. Lord Jesus, it's in your name I pray. Amen. If you didn't grab a prayer journal, don't forget to grab one on the way out. They're on the table outside in the narthex. Thank you.